the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to The Situation Report, where we give you the information that you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And today we're diving into a topic that specifically connects to an ever-changing culture. Uh, Chad, we're jumping into something that is a very, very important topic, and, and we've discussed this in past shows. We want to put the information on the table so that people who are listening and, and trying to figure out where they stand on some of these issues, where they can make informed, educated real decisions instead of just accepting what they're being told. And the issue that we're getting into today is one that is, uh, you know, hypercharged in our culture. There's a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to bring some truth to this uh, very, very important issue. Yeah, trans- transgenderism. Yes. And, and uh, you know, we're, it's a subject that I think a lot of people don't want to talk about because right. they don't want to go there. They're worried about backlash of, of talking about it. And, and frankly, I think a lot of people are, are very misinformed about it. Myself included, as we begin to prepare for the show and, and talking to our guests and, and doing the research, yeah. there were some uh, things that I had, I had wrong. And, uh, you know, we, we're talking about something that's become such a large issue, but for such a small population, uh, less than 1% of, of our culture would be, uh, would consider, be considered transgender. And, and from what I've just been recently told, uh, less than four, uh, around 4% would fall into the LGBTQ, and I know we keep adding letters after that, uh, and so, you know, a big issue, small part of the population, but nonetheless, very important yep. a topic to discuss and, and see how we could, you know, yep. navigate it. And it is a very important topic. And, uh, you know, po- politics aside, because we need to move away from the politics of it, there are very real people uh, being impacted in very real ways mm-hmm. and families being impacted in very real ways. Again, whether you fall on one side or the other of this topic is not my point right now. There are very real people yes. <laughs> who are dealing with this conversation, and, and I don't think always with the best information. That's right. So we wanted to bring uh, Walt, Walt Heyer. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for having me. And talking about this. It. We have about 30 minutes to discuss one of the biggest conversations. We've <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to break it all down yeah. in the next, uh, like, 28 minutes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Walt, I'm going to give your bio here, and I, I wrote it all down because I just didn't want to get it wrong. And then I'm going to ask you to jump into this. Prolific speaker and writer on the topic of the transgender lifestyle and its causes on the aftermath of transitioning. That's one of the big areas that you uh, deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, What makes you an expert? You identified as a transgender woman for eight years and uh, now specifically address those who uh, regret going through that process of gender change. This is an extremely uh, sensitive topic, one Mm -hmm. that many, many people are very passionate about. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, it's become almost a human rights issue Mm -hmm. and, with that as the backdrop, so much of what's factual has been lost. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. It is very complicated, multi-layered, very confusing, and it's really hard to unwind all of it. But I came to it when I was actually four years old was the first time when I started this. I started cross-dressing as a four-year-old. That was in 1944. So, So I'm coming with 75 years of experience either having lived it, walked through it, struggled with it, and the last uh, 30 years, I've been researching it. 
uh, as I came out of the, the life of living uh, as a transgender woman named Laura Jensen. And so um, these are critical things. And I would say of the people that I work with, 50% of them were somehow sexually, physically, or emotionally abused. 50%. At 50%, yeah. When you say people you work with, people that are struggling with transgender, transgender decisions... Right. Well, I have a website called Sex Change Regret and have for 10 years, and people contact me to try to help because they want help to come out of it. And they, they end up having gone through it. They identified as a male or female, switching genders. and or Surgically. Sex. surgically, switch, surgically some switch. of them surgically, some of them uh, just socially. Mm-hmm. And then they regretted it, and they want to know how to, how to get their life back. Right. And sometimes it's a spiritual issue, sometimes it's an emotional, sometimes it's psychological. Yeah. It's very complicated, but it's also quite interesting. And so that's primarily what we do. And I know I, I had my surgery when I was 42 years old, so I was pretty far along in life. But by the time I hit 50, I had been studying psychology at UC Santa Cruz, and I began to realize as I opened up the books in the library that these individuals have psychological disorders. The first one I studied was separation anxiety and where this boy had lost his mother. His mother died and he decided that he wanted to be a girl. And in in following this particular case, the boy decided to put on his mother's identity is what he was doing so that he didn't feel like his mother was gone. In other words, if he became his mother emotionally and psychologically and socially, then his mother was still there. So you can, if you just think about that for a minute, that's a psychological disorder. Yes. It's, you're not appropriately dealing with the mother's death. You clarified for me something I did not understand when you defined the difference between, you know, we, we lump all of these, these things together, right. the LGBTQ. And yeah. uh, again, this isn't an opinion, this is just a truth. Yeah. Um, and you, you broke that out very, very cleanly. Right. Can you talk about... What does it mean to be transgender? What what is it, what exactly yeah, is that? That you know this is this is really something that doesn't get talked about, and that's why I'm glad we're able to do that today. The word transgender, if you just take that and put make it like an umbrella, because the truth is there are no transgenders. They they don't actually exist, and so what we have is underneath that umbrella, is this group of people who, as an example, if. Uh, they might have what we call autogynephilia. Well, what's autogynephilia? I would say the vast majority of men who contact me or, or wives who contact me about their husband switching genders, they have four kids, have been married 20 years, he says he's transgender. I start working with him and find out, no, that's autogynephilia. And the difference is people prefer to identify as a transgender, put themselves under that word transgender because doesn't it sound a whole lot better than right. saying I have a, a, a sexual fetish disorder, right. autogynephilia? I mean, that's not going to go over good at the cocktail party. <laughs> and so uh, then you have the people that we, we've heard a lot about, drag queens. Well, drag queens are almost always homosexual, but they don't actually, most of them don't go through a lot of surgery. They don't do what we call bottom surgery. They'll do top surgery. But they're homosexual men, and most heterosexual men who struggle with their identity don't become drag queens. So you have this large, I would say over 90% of the men that I work with are not homosexual, which usually shocks people. They have an identity disorder, and it may be that they have um, body dysmorphia, which means they just don't like that 
instrument on their body and they just want to get rid of it. It's not homosexuality. They just for some reason, they, it, they want to reject it. Or they have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, dissociative disorder. So we have these group of disorders that they fall into that don't get properly treated. And so when they go to a therapist like I did, you go in and, and, the, and you tell them about your history and they automatically say, well, you have gender dysphoria. Well, you don't. Mm-hmm. And, and the truth is, if the clinician who is interviewing the person, which I do after they contact me and say they regret doing it, we sit down and I always ask them, tell me what happened? What was the event that happened that you saw that changed your trajectory? Mm-hmm. And what was that event? Is there a denial initially? Like, no, nothing. I'm just Yeah, afraid. yeah, right. there always is. And, and, and I spend time with them and then they begin to identify something. But there's always an event. Uh, in the people that I've worked with, 100% of the time when I work with them, they can tell me what happened and tell me the event that happened. The traumatic event that changed the trajectory of their life. Yeah. yeah. You know, in some cases, it can be seeing their mother abused by their father. Mm. And in some cases, they see a father who's somebody, if they're a guy, and they see their father abusing the mother so much that they don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. So they would prefer to identify as a female than to identify as the person who's an abuser, an alcoholic, a drug addict, whatever he is. Yeah. So there's these things, like I said, it's very complex. Mm-hmm. And, and to find out what the trigger or what happened to them to cause them to run down this path... Yeah. Uh, I have found probably 80 to 100 different events that, that wow. come into that play. And, it, and so um, it takes a lot of effort to find out that, uh, you know, when we're giving this diagnosis as, of gender dysphoria, which I always say is kind of funny because I've, I've said this yeah. before. I said you could put a rock in front of one of these specialists and they would <laughs> diagnose it with gender dysphoria. <laughs> Because they just see everything through that prism. Right. And when I'm working with people who've been sexually abused, who were given hormones and who had body parts cut off, and they lived three, five, six, ten years as a, a different uh, identity sex gender, then uh, I sit down with them and say, can you tell me what happened? Mm-hmm. And if the therapist were to do that, we could probably stop 90% of the diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Do therapy early on, yeah, catching it. it. But the therapists who do the work of, of helping people transition refuse to diagnose any other disorder like autogynephilia. Yeah. Or confront. Or confront. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So we have these. It's, a, it's a, this um, aff- the affirmation not only from people in their social life but also from the clinicians. Absolutely. So affirmation is what leads them down this path. The affirmation is what is actually causing them to end up having regret because they didn't deal with what happened to them. Before we jump into that, I'd love to talk to you for just a second about church. We all know how important church is, but things have gotten kind of twisted sideways of late. We all know that we're experiencing that. If you're looking for a church and maybe just an online experience because your normal worship experience is not available to you, Check out the church that I attend, coastlineonline.org. It's a church that we've been attending for about 20 years. The music is great. The worship experience is incredible. The preaching is directly from Scripture. And I would invite you to come and be a part of that service with us, coastlineonline.org. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. 
Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. And we're in a cultural affirmation right now, right? I mean, I mean our culture as a whole. Absolutely. Related to this Related to this topic. subject, yeah. Yeah. What's interesting, you know, with that, and, you know, if I could maybe go from that and then ask a question. Um, Chad and I have talked about this in the past, even as it relates to the military and those kind of things. You know, as an American who believes in freedom and individual liberty, um, I would stand up, mm-hmm. and I, we talked about this. Yeah, I would too. I would stand <laughs> up for any adult's right to do whatever they want to do. So... This is not about taking away the right of someone to do it, but rather, as you said, helping to frame the conversation and get to the heart of what's actually causing that decision to be made. And so many people who have the right to do that, I'd protect their right to do that. I'd I'd say they have a right to do that. Um, But really saying they have a right to do that and ignoring the underlying problem is is not helpful. As much as our, our culture would like to say it's helpful to ignore the, don't look over here. <laughs> right. This is what we need to focus on. How have you been, you, you've, you've spoken on this hundreds of times, how have you been received as you've had these conversations with folks? Actually, um, might surprise you. I, I mean, there's a, there's a few people early on when I started doing this 10 years ago that um, were a little harsh. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> But, uh, you know, as the years have gone by, uh, I've had people who are living the life as a transgender write me and say, well, keep up what you're doing because I see my friends struggling and you're on the right track Mm. and you're actually helping people. So uh, I've been amazed by how many people in the life have written me and tell me, uh, you know, please continue what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that, um, you know, why you and I agree on, on... adults right to make those decisions in their life it's the imposing it on others particularly on children and indoctrination process that really the children that is just so unbelievable and we talk about things what the causes are we have sometimes we have parents today that maybe have two or three uh, kids and a boy comes along and and they want a girl and 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 the parents Mm. are the cause because they're taking advantage of the opportunity to go in and, and tell the, the therapist, my kid has this feeling. I had, a, I had two people within a week. One, uh, actually, the, the mother and dad took him to a gender clinic at 15 and said, you know, this kid needs to have hormone therapy. He, at, at 18, he had the complete surgery, genitals, the whole thing, breasts put in. At 19, he contacted me, and he said, I want my body back. I feel like a Frankenstein monster. And my parents helped me do this. It's a train wreck. What can I do? 
Yeah. We're told that something between 65 and 95, the number is hard to nail down, 65 to 95% of children who go through this process before they're 18 will eventually work to transition back. If, that, if those numbers are right and you could illuminate that, yeah. that doesn't support the position to push children through that process. Well, it, there's, there's some critical things to, to know about that. If, if we leave the child alone and don't affirm them, don't give them a new name and tell them to go to school if it's a boy, it's a girl, if we don't affirm that and don't push that, up to 92% of them will desist by the time they're adult. They'll yeah. grow out of it. They'll just basically grow out of it. Yeah. Here's the problem. And, and the side who's advocating for this knows this. If we get them on hormone blockers and get them going down the path of cross-dressing, identifying, and going through this whole thing, 100% of them will stay transgender. Yeah. That, because they're locked in. They've changed. Once you begin to stop uh, puberty and begin to interrupt the, the natural development of the body, you've interfered with the process that God had intended for them to go through. And so you're playing God with somebody's body. Catching them early and then... And they, and they know that. This is why they keep lowering the age group. I mean, they're cutting girls' breasts off now at 12 and 13 years old and, and putting them on hormone blockers. They're doing it with younger, younger and younger and younger, which is, to me, a, a total tragedy. Yeah. What brought you to the turning point in your life? What was the transition point for you? Yeah. I, you know, I thought I'd done the right thing. You know, I thought this was cool and... and uh, and I was uh, going to be a, a psychotherapist. So I started studying at UC Santa Cruz. I was going to go get my PhD, and I was going to, like, help people transition. Right? So this is while you were Laura. had surgery, eight yeah, years I'm, as a woman? I'm Laura. I'm okay. at school as Laura. I'm going in, and I'm going, I want to study this. And so then I began to see, as the case I told you about, separation anxiety was the term for it because he was identifying his mother. I thought, well, this is interesting. And the more I studied it, the more I realized there are underlying causes and we're not, nobody's talking about the underlying causes. When I went in and was approved by my therapist, he didn't ask, I told him my story, you know, about how I was sexually abused, what had happened, the cross-dressing. And he said, well, what you really need is hormone therapy and reassignment surgery. And I'm on hormones for two years, and then they do the surgery in 1983. So, um, but he was wrong. You know, what, what he needed to do is what I'm so passionate about today is sitting down and trying to find out What's causing you to not like who you are? What happened? Tell me about what happened. And it's amazing the stories that come out of these. Every one of them has a story to tell. We should be actually talking about their stories. We should hear them. Many of them are too embarrassed to talk about them. And what's so interesting is by 1979, there was a doctor, Charles L. Illenfeld, who spoke about he'd worked with 500 men who transitioned to women. And he was an endocrinologist, well-known, and he came out and spoke to a bunch of clinicians, and he said, I am leaving the practice of endocrinology for transgender people because I see too much unhappiness, and there's too many that end in suicides. He said, I'm going to become a psychiatric doctor so that I can actually help them. That's what we're talking about. See, he wants to go to the underlying causes because right. he realized, like I do, if you spend time with them, there's some underlying cause. They're not born that way. They don't need the hormones, and they don't need surgery. One, uh, one final question. As you're dealing with people, you know, in, in your work, uh, where do you, 
how do you communicate the hope? Where is the hope found for those who are coming to you saying, I made this decision, I wish I hadn't, um, or they don't know they shouldn't have, or, or whatever the case, and you're, you're offering hope. Where do, you, yeah. where do you find the hope? Well, you know, I, I came back to being restored and redeemed through Christ. And so uh, I always offer that hope. I work with people who are, sometimes they're Jewish, sometimes they're uh, atheist. So I work with a, a broad range of people for, come from different backgrounds. But I talk to them about how I was redeemed and how I came through this process and how powerful the Lord Jesus Christ is in redeeming lives. If we're ready to get down and say, you know, once, you, once they came to realize that this was a mistake, they didn't need this, then where do you turn? You turn to the guy who actually created you. That's mm-hmm. Jesus. And so that's, that's the hope that I give that's them. The now, some of them come to that point. Some of them don't, but they detransition. And, you know, uh, I'm living in their head because they know that uh, they heard it, right? And <laughs> yeah. so the message, it, it doesn't have to, for me, it doesn't have to come at that moment. They don't, they don't have to come to know Jesus. I want them to detransition. I want them to get their life back. And I do believe that over time, that will come to their restoration. The Lord will come to the restoration and, and recovery. Yeah. You're planting that seed. That's awesome. Yeah. Could you talk uh, two things? One, about this book yeah. and Artic- where people can get that. Articles of Impeachment. Yeah. And it's not by Nancy Pelosi or no, no, Jerry no. Nadler. Different, right? no. different Articles <laughs> of Impeachment. <laughs> yeah. Talk about this book and then talk about where people who are interested in the work that you do can, can find you and get more information. Sure. This book I actually started writing long before this impeachment thing. I, the articles in here started in 2015. And what I've done is this is a, a articles, 55 of them that I've written, that talk about the things that we've talked about today. It has the research information in there. It has personal stories about people and their own redemption. And so this book is real critical about whether it's a child. I have things in here on children, adults, autogynophilia, things of that nature. So the information is here, but if you go to my website, sexchangeregret.com, you'll find that I've written six other books. Um, All of them um, have different uh, backgrounds and so forth. One of them, Paper Genders, talks about the history and how it came to be, where where we are. Trans Life Survivors gives stories about people who survived it and and how they came back from it. And so... um, Right at the website has a bunch of stories that people have written. That is the key place to go, sexchangeregret.com. You get a ton of information. Go and to you the can library. Per- and you can purchase those books there. Yeah, on the, it, through the library you can purchase the book. Okay. Just hit the library button and buy the books. One of the, the things I, I love about your work in a book like this where you'd say, these are the articles, but the citations are also there. Yeah. Um, what we're striving to do is have conversations that are supported by actual data. Right. <laughs> Instead of just our opinions because we heard somebody say something or we were raised a certain way or we come from yeah. a particular you know, background. Um, man, it's so important to look at what's real. Facts. Yeah. Facts yeah. matter. Facts. This Facts is matter. the good stuff. This has got the research in it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you and the work that you do and for spending time with us. Yeah, thank you. It's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're helping a lot of, a lot of folks, uh, both who are struggling with this and, and those who are just trying to gather more information and understand how to how to deal with this in our culture so thank you for the work you're doing and i encourage anyone listening to you know go to walt's website yep. and learn more get those books and uh and we're, we're just uh, i look forward to having you back on because yeah. i have like a hundred more questions yeah, I'd, I'd love to come back <laughs> and we're gonna uh, write them in <laughs> and, and, and expand on this i'd love to do it 
Uh, I want to give our viewers, our listeners, the Situation Report today, really kind of the breakdown of this conversation. And again, a lot more we could talk about, but a few key things I would like for you to take away. The Situation Report begins with, number one, trauma impacts different people differently. Uh, This is something, again, in our work and on this show we talk about often is trauma. Uh, How it impacts each person will be different, but in order to treat someone who's struggling, we have to get to the underlying cause. Trauma is the underlying cause. When we address that, we can begin to move forward in a meaningful way. What an important aspect of this conversation Mm -hmm. to have. The second takeaway is this, as we look at what is important to understand, our culture has decided that this is the conversation we should be having right now, and we could uh, argue about why the conversation is important right now. Uh, We may be right, we may be wrong. The reality is this, it is a conversation, it is being had, and yet it's often being had without an acknowledgement of the side effects, the impacts on individuals and families and lives that come with gender transition and uh, the other things we're talking about today. We have to have the right look, the full picture as we're making these decisions and uh, how important it is for us to do that. The third takeaway, and this is an important takeaway, there is hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is always hope. And we like to communicate this as often as we can. Trauma, difficulty, bad decisions, your background, your past, what someone else did to you, there is always hope. And hope is always to be found if you'll lift up your, your view from where you are right now and understand there's something bigger and better out there. And uh, appreciate that. Hopefully there's some good takeaways for you. Well, thank you. And uh, for those that are watching, thank you for watching. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.